This was actually on my heart before I found out that Brother Jeff wasn't going to be here today. And I thought, all right, I'm just going to put it together. And Honestly, I went through and I read four different messages from different people. I listened to them, and none of them clicked. And you got to hear from God when you're up here. I said, all right, Lord, maybe this is a part two of this. So here we are. Is today the day, part two? You ready for this? How many remember when you first became born again? April 1981 for me. And ever since that day, I have been so looking forward to Jesus coming back. Not that this life isn't amazing and awesome and all that stuff. But there's a lot missing as well. Over that time, since 1981, I have heard so many messages on end times prophecy, on Jesus is coming back, Jesus is coming back. How many have heard Jesus is coming back? 1981. That's a long time. And yet, has he come back? Not yet. He's coming. We're getting closer. So what's up with that? We keep preaching that Jesus is coming back, yet he's not here yet. Have we missed it? Did the other preachers miss it? You believe he's really coming back? Oh, you're quick. I want to read John 14 and, you know, Apparently, the disciples were a little bit concerned about some of the talk that was coming from their master, from the Messiah. And he had to calm them down a little bit. They still didn't understand. They, they didn't have a clue yet what Jesus was about to do. But they were worried because he was talking about leaving them. And this is what he said in John 14, 1 and following. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. There is more than enough room in my Father's home. If this were not so, would I have told you that I am going to prepare a place for you? When everything is ready, what? When everything is ready, I will come back and get you so that you will always be with me where I am and you know the way to where I am going. Most of the time I stop there. But Thomas said something that many of us may be saying as well, and that is, Lord, we don't, we don't know where you're going. We have no idea. <laughs> so how can we know the way? And Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. Verse 1 and following should really encourage us. If you're thinking, I don't want to be left here. Is Jesus coming back? Yeah, he is. How do we know that? Because Jesus said he was. He told his disciples he was coming back. And we, the church, are just as important to him as his disciples. 
It's taken him 2,000 years to prepare that mansion for us. <laughs> I have a feeling that when we get there, have you seen some of these high-tech houses? Everything's run by computer. You know, it, we used to get excited when it, clap on, <laughs> clap off. Now it's, Alexa, turn the lights on. You won't even have to do that in heaven. It'll just be a thought. Because you're going to be so plugged into God, into the vine. We're going to be in our glorious bodies in this place called heaven that Jesus has spent the last 2,000 years working on, preparing for us. I can't wait. But we have to be patient. Everybody go, oh. Every time I walk into sub-zero temperatures, I think, So here we see Jesus telling his disciples, I'm coming back. So don't get all freaked out about it. Don't worry about it. This is my paraphrase. Don't put your trust anywhere else. Not in your 401 or 403, 401k or 403b. Not in your IRA. Not in your job. Not in your spouse. Jesus. Trust Jesus. Nowhere else. He's the only way. That's what he was saying. So how many believe Jesus is the only way? Amen? All right. Some of you didn't lift your hand. That's all right. How many believe that he's coming back? Not everybody lifted their hand. Either you guys are too stinking lazy. I'm watching now, all right? All right, you're writing notes. I'll give give it up for you, all right, Mary? How many think this could be the day? Could it be? Come, Lord Jesus, come. Let me ask you this. Are you living your life today as though he is? Two of you said yes. The rest? I wanted to to just hit this real quick. Um, There's no place in the Bible where people are supposed to set dates. In fact, Jesus was very specific when he said, (laughs) no one knows the day or the hour when these things are going to happen, meaning when he comes back, when the end times are going to come. No one knows, not even the angels in heaven or the Son himself, only the Father. So when people set dates, what are they? False prophets. You know, we've had many in the last century that they kept predicting, Jesus is coming back, and everybody sold all their stuff. They went up on a mountaintop and waited, and waited. And they'd still be waiting if they hadn't died, but by now they're dead because they'd be really old. We're not supposed to set dates. However, if you keep reading this, it does talk about seasons. If I were to say to you today, it's winter, would you believe me? (laughs) 
This is the kind of weather when your finger snaps off if you hit it just right. So be careful with those digits. Just like we can identify winter, Jesus was telling us, here's how you identify when I'm coming back. And he goes into quite a, a list of things, and I'm going to talk about a few of these here. Not, it's not all-encompassing because it take us a month to go through it all. So let's move to verse 37, Matthew 24. When the Son of Man returns, everybody say that with me. When the Son of Man returns, it will be like it was in Noah's day. In those days before the flood, the people were enjoying banquets and parties and weddings right up to the time Noah entered his boat. And I actually read this last week, but we need to hear it again. People didn't realize what was going to happen until the flood came and swept them all away. That's the way it will be when the Son of Man comes. So is this saying that there's going to be a flood? No. No. He's talking about the party aspect of it. People acting like Jesus isn't coming back. Do your own thing. Who cares? You don't have to worry about it. You're not going to be held accountable, at least not anytime soon, so let's just go enjoy life. That's what he was saying. Don't be that person. And then in verse 40, it actually goes into this. Two men will be working together in the field. One will be taken, the other left. Two women will be grinding flour at the mill. One will be taken, the other left. And this is referring to the rapture, which I'm going to talk about a little bit more here in just a minute. So keep that tucked away. And then verse 42. So too, so you too must, what? Keep watch. For you don't know what day your Lord is coming. We know He's coming, but we don't know when He's coming. But we do know the season that He's coming. Understand this, if a homeowner knew exactly when a burglar was coming, he would keep watch and not permit his house to be broken into. You also must be ready all the time. Poke your neighbor and say, all the time. Phil, if I could reach you, I'd poke you. All the time, all right? You must be ready all the time, for the Son of Man will come when least expected. There are a lot of people that are in that least expecting. In fact, there are a lot of people that aren't expecting anything right now. And I usually stop there, but I wanted to go to the next passage here, the next part of this. Verse 45. A faithful, sensible servant. Let me ask you, are you is that you? Are you a faithful, sensible servant? Do you have half a brain? Can I put it that way? That, that's basically, that's Pastor Norton's paraphrase. Do you have half a brain? Because if you do, follow this. A faithful, sensible servant is one to whom the master can give the responsibility of managing his other household servants and feeding them. If the master returns and finds that the servant has done a good job, there will be a reward. Everybody likes reward, right? Troy, when you do a good job at the house and you do the dishes or something, and Tanya says, good job, Troy, doesn't that bless you? Yuck, yeah. We all like reward. It might be affirmation, words of affirmation. It might be a gift. 
I don't think we know all the things that God's going to give us if we're a sensible, faithful servant. If we do the things that we've been called to do. Verse 47, I tell you the truth, the master will put that servant in charge of what? Whoa! What does Jesus own? (laughs) So what do you think we're going to be doing when we come back with him? We're going to be, I I love thinking about being the keeper of the forest and the lakes where all the big fish are. I just like thinking about it. Whether I end up there or not, whatever, I know I'm going to be blessed. Wherever Jesus decides is the best fit for me, when I get to heaven, I'm not going to be disappointed, nor will you be. All right? As long as, as, long as you're on this side of it, faithful, sensible stir, servant. And then we get to the butt, the right side of the butt. But, what if the servant is evil and thinks, my master won't be back for a while? And then he begins beating the other servants, partying and getting drunk. The master will return unannounced and unexpected, and he will cut the servant to pieces. And assign him what? In that place, there will be weeping, I wouldn't wish my worst enemy to this place. Some say there is no hell. What kind of loving God would send people to hell? A just God would. He loves us and He gives us every opportunity to repent and to be eternally saved. If we don't choose to follow Him, that's, that's that's in our court. It's not his fault then. He provided through his one and only son Jesus that anyone who believes on him will not perish but will have everlasting life. That is his remedy for sin. But if we don't choose it, it's not God's fault. And the Bible says no sinner will be allowed into the kingdom of God. None. So if it's not under the blood and if you're living for the devil... I heard one guy say recently, Tony Evans, he said, hey, we're in the day of devolution. I'm like, wow, isn't that the truth? Those two just flow together. Evolution and the devil. Devolution. We're in it. If you're living for him, if you're believing his nonsense and you're serving him, not God, you're not going to be in the right place when that trumpet blows your destiny is right here, right where this, this is talking about, where the weeping and gnashing of teeth. What Jesus wants us to see here is what it's going to be like when he returns. This is, this is the backdrop, if you will. Jesus knew that his followers would begin to question, is he really coming back? Is he really? Where is he? Jesus knew that. 
He, he knew what it meant to be human. He knew that many of his very own would begin to get sloppy in their relationship with him. It's a tragedy, but it happens. I've watched people walk away who served Jesus for 30 plus years and all of a sudden one day got it in their noggin. Is he really real? God, help them. Help them to remain faithful. That's why he gave us this warning. Don't believe everything the world tells you. Don't believe that he's not coming back, because he is. Don't believe that there isn't a God, because there is. Rather, watch the signposts that are screaming at us today. Soon and very soon, we are going to see the king. Soon and very soon, we are going to see the king. Soon and very soon, we are going to see the King. Hallelujah, hallelujah, we're going to see the King. Listen to me. When we see Him face to face, <laughs> you're going to melt. You're just going to be like, Whoa! is it really you? It is going to be so awesome. Your body, every, every nerve ending is just going to be popping. I am in the presence of the king. John's hiding, so I won't ask him. And we go up. One one thousandth of a second. You can't blink that fast. Bible says in the older versions, in the twinkling of an eye. That's quick. We're going to be with him. Meet him in the clouds. Changed into our glorious bodies. No longer will this 205 pounds-ish hold me down. I'm going to see the king. He's coming back. And he's coming soon. How do I know that? Because I look around me. And everything Jesus told us about is happening. It's happening. Why is Jesus taking so long? First, we have to understand that God's not held by time. All right? To the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, a thousand years like a day. So, we need this. We need this. He doesn't. This is just to keep us accurate so we know when to go to bed, when to get up, when to go to work, etc. God doesn't need a clock. He is the clock. All right? Second part of this, the Lord isn't being slow about his promise, as some think. Nope. 
He's being patient for your sake, for your neighbor's sake, for your brother's sake, your mom's sake, your dad, your kids, your boss, your coworkers, your fellow students. God wants no one to be destroyed. People that say, what kind of God would throw people in hell? He's a God that loves us. And this scripture and others attest to the fact he wants no one to die in their sins. But he wants everybody to live with him forever. And what do they need to do? Repent. That's the problem. Because we're so stuck on ourselves. I don't need anybody. I don't need nobody telling me what to do, preacher. I got this. Oh, do you? Do you? I've had so many atheists tell me, Jesus is just a crutch. Hey, give me the crutch then, man. If I need to hobble through life so I can be with him forever, that's all right with me. I will let my pride drop if that's what it takes. But I'll tell you right now, I need him. Hopefully you feel the same. All of us must repent. And I talked about that last week. I'm not going to go into a lot of that today. So the Lord isn't being slow. He's waiting until every last person gets a chance to receive Christ, to receive eternal life. Then he'll be back. Now I want to go back to Matthew 24. And I, I just, I'm dissecting this a little bit. Oops. Did I miss one? Let's go here. If the master returns and finds the servant has done a good job, there will be a reward. I tell you the truth, the master will put that servant in charge of all he owns. Is this you? Because you don't want this to be you. You got two servants. There are many other scriptures that talk about this. The faithful one and the unfaithful. You want to be this one, not this one. You want to be the left side of the butt, not the right side of the butt. Jesus' warning, be the faithful servant. Be the one who's doing what the master commanded his servants to do. Live for the king. Give praise to the king. Tell others about what the king has done for you. And most importantly, treat every single day as though Jesus was coming back today. Here's the cool part. Then you'll get the praise. <laughs> I want to hear that. Jeff, I know you do. Well done, Jeff. Well done. Come. Enjoy all that I have prepared for you. Amen, or whatever. It may be better than iced tea. Heaven's going to have drinks we've never even thought about. I want to hear the praise. Norm, you did an awesome job. I'm so proud of you. Come on, now I'm going to put you in charge of whatever. Bait and tackle. <laughs> ay, ay, ay.
What are some of the signs that we can look for that lead up to Jesus' return? The big one, that the Jewish people find their way home. How many know they did that? 1948, they did that. They became a nation again. This is very important because it's, it's the, really the start of the clock toward the end. As soon as they be... See, originally they had been scattered all over the world. And then Jesus, for, somehow the Holy Spirit drew them all back home and many are home. In fact, there's a call today for the Jewish people that aren't living in Jerusalem to come home. They're saying, if you're living in the United States, you're not under the covering. They used to be. I don't know. But they're being called home. That's the place to be safe, according to their leaders. Here's something that's also very interesting, which I didn't realize this. Uh, Greg Laurie talked about this in, his, in an article in Charisma News, but he said, most of the people in Jerusalem, in Israel, aren't believers. I was like, what? There are some. And, and I'm not talking Christian. I'm talking Jewish. Most don't believe. Some would call them atheists. But let me tell you something. During this great tribulation that's coming, when the whole world is looking on Israel as this tiny little dot, and, and this, this is the slogan that's going to be around, there's no place for Israel but gone. My paraphrase. But basically, that's what, that's what everybody wants. You, you hear it today. Israel needs to be gone. It's end times. Jesus said this was going to happen. Why? All the world is going to come against this tiny little group of people in the holy city that we like to call Jerusalem. Why? Why is it so important? Because they were God's people. Now, they, their hearts were hardened. But He's going to soften them again after we're gone. And the Holy Spirit's going to get a hold of them. And there's going to be a mass revival in Israel. And those people are going to get to know their Messiah. And God's going to defend them. It's coming very soon. But we have to be gone first. Alright? So again, some of the other things that we see are who is it that's going to oppress and try to destroy Israel? The Antichrist. But what countries, what does what the Bible say? Ezekiel 38, you can go there later. Ezekiel 38 and 39, but anyway. So, Syria, is that a player? There's somebody that's in Syria right now that's a player. The Sudan is a big one, according to Scripture. Iran is another big one. Persia, but Iran. And then that says this army from the north is going to come down to destroy them. Russia. Magog. 
it can't get any clearer. That book was written 2,600 years ago. And it's defined the countries that are presently trying to oppress and destroy the Middle East along with Israel. Specifically Israel. We don't know how it's going to happen. But we do know the end, don't we? Jesus says he's going to speak. We're going to be with him when, we, when he comes back. We're going to be in our glorified bodies. I don't know if we're going to be on stallions, but I like the thought. <laughs> you ever been on a, an awesomely big steed? Oh, power. Imagine if it's a heaven's steed. Oh, <laughs> I'm not surfing. I can't wait. Jesus is going to speak and his enemies are going to be wiped out. We're just going to get to watch. Hallelujah. So if you think you're all that and you want to come against the sun, go for it. The age of grace, we're in it right now. The age of the Gentiles, we're in that right now. But when this ends, that is when the great tribulation begins. Seven years of yuck. Seven years of darkness released on this planet without Jesus, without the Holy Spirit here guiding His people, without the church. Where is the Holy Spirit? In us. Once we're gone, He can have His way. Uh, Romans eleven twenty five and 26a, I just shortened it. I want you to understand this mystery, dear brothers and sisters, so that you, thank you, so that you will not feel proud about yourselves. Some of the people of Israel have hard hearts, but this will last only until the full number of Gentiles comes to Christ. And so all Israel will be saved. Pretty clear. When we're gone, Israel's going to have its day. Because of Israel, we've been grafted into the, to the vine. There are other passages that talk about that. Jesus grafted us in because his people weren't listening. So God said, all right, we'll get some of the Gentiles saved. So for the last couple thousand years, we've been welcomed into the kingdom. But that day's going to come to an end. God's mercy and grace toward us is going to come to an end. It has to. Eventually it has to stop. And then judgment. Hear this. While Israel goes through the revival that the Bible predicts, the world is going to be collapsing in on Jerusalem. The world will hate Israel, and again, I said this before, but the last day slogan is going to be the only good Israel is a dead Israel. Or something similar. As I see it, that's already begun. This is a huge sign that Jesus is about to come back very soon. Now, if you didn't know this already, in the Assemblies of God, we believe in this thing called the rapture. The word rapture, so don't look at it in your glossary. You're not going to find it in your concordance. It's not there. It's, it's, a, it's in an instant. A snatching away. 
That's what we're going to see. 1 Thessalonians 4, 15 and 18. We tell you this directly from the Lord. We who are still living when the Lord returns will not meet him ahead of those who have died. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven, watch this, with a commanding shout, with a voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God. First, the Christians who have died will rise from their graves. So, if your Aunt Bethel, Aunt Bethy was born again and she died 10 years ago, she's going up first. All right? Then, verse 17, together with them, we who are still alive and remain on the earth will be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So, where are we meeting the Lord? In the air. When he comes back the next time, he's actually going to be visible and we're going to be with him. This time, he's up in the clouds and he's taking us up to meet him there, along with the dead in Christ. Then we will be with the Lord forever. So from that point forward, we've got nothing to worry about. We're in our eternal bodies. We're ready for whatever he has prepared for us. And, and I believe that's where the marriage supper of the Lamb is going to take place. And the rewards are going to be given out. So the church is going to be judged for the good that, that it did. The, the good deeds that you have been doing like this week, last week, a year ago. Those are the things that the Lord's going to say, well done. We aren't going to go through the nightmare that's about to be unleashed on this planet. When Jesus comes back the first time, we'll be given our glorious bodies and then we'll return with him the second time when he's about ready to fight the battle of Armageddon. And where's that going to happen? The Middle East, Jerusalem. The Bible says he's going to have his feet planted and the mountain's going to split. And he's going to take his enemies out once and for all. Devolution's going to come to an end. Are you ready? Before I close, I wanted to show you something that Peter said in Acts 2. Right after they'd been filled with the Holy Spirit, they came out from the upper room. They were supercharged for Jesus. And he started preaching. And he said, In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. And your old men will dream dreams. We've been seeing that. A lot lately. In those days, I will pour out my spirit even on my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. Although we didn't hear it today, we hear quite a few of those prophecies and verse 19 and I will cause wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below blood and fire and clouds of smoke and then verse 20 the sun will become dark and the moon will turn to blood red before the great and glorious day of the Lord arrives but everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved you know tonight there's a blood moon What does that mean? 
Tonight there's a blood moon. So could this be what Jesus was talking about? What Peter was talking about? And Paul? I don't know. Be ready. Be ready. Jesus is coming. Are you ready? Not are you ready for some football, but are you ready for some Jesus? Now I know tonight the AFC championship's taking place. But don't forget, while you're watching that game, and I'm assuming some of you will, Jesus could come back. While you're eating dinner, you could be right in the middle of a, a great bite of your favorite food, and all of a sudden, boom! You're not boom, but you're gone. You could be yelling at your spouse, hopefully not, but you could be at the very second that that trumpet blows, and my guess is you're going to stay behind, but because God doesn't like men that abuse their wives, or vice versa. Are you ready? Jesus is coming. So what do you do when you see all these signs coming to pass? And I, I, I've not done this justice, but everything is lining up just as the prophet said it would. You can trust the Bible, God's Word. It's anointed, it's prophetic, and it's truth. You can't trust any other news organization. None. Because they all lie. They all have an agenda. His agenda? Man would be saved. Man would spend eternity with him. The world's agenda? Just the opposite. Would you stand? We need to keep busy in these last days, doing what God's called us to do. We need to keep walking with the Lord, and it, it, it's a present tense. It's, a, it's an ongoing thing. It, it, it isn't just, okay, I walked with the Lord. It's I'm walking with the Lord. It's not a I did for the Lord. It's a I'm doing for the Lord. If it ever stops becoming present tense, ongoing, there's something wrong. That's when you need to check in to the Jesus hospital and say, Holy Spirit, shine your light on me. What's going on? If I'm not serving you today, what's going on? Why? I want to be ready. I want to hear, well done, my good and faithful servant. I want to be faithful when Jesus comes back. I want to lead people to His hope. Not send them the other way. Till he comes, may we be busy about our Father's work. The last scripture, Colossians 2, 6, and 7. So then, just as you received Christ, Jesus, as Lord, 
continue to live in him. How many remember that? You're born again. That's what this is talking about. Just as you received Christ Jesus as your Lord, continue to live in him. Rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith, just as you were taught, overflowing with thankfulness. When Jesus comes back, if you're doing this, if this is you, if you're living in him, walking with him, one of the verses, scripture translation says walking in him, because honestly, we don't, we don't walk with him. <laughs> we don't. We, what can you do? You can't do anything. It, it almost makes it sound like, oh, hey, I'm walking with the Lord. <laughs> no, you're not. He's in you. You walk in him. You live in him. I have my being in him. In him we live and move and have our being. Some old songs, but fitting. Hallelujah. Come, Lord Jesus, come. How many right now would say, come, Lord Jesus, come? Come, Lord Jesus, come. How many would be worried? No, Jesus, not yet. Not ready yet. Give me another day, Lord. He's giving you right now. <laughs> we don't know how much longer we have. I hope everybody's right with God. Would you bow your heads? If you're here today and you see Pastor Norm, I heard the message. It sounds right to me. I feel something inside telling me that I need to get right with, with the Lord, with Jesus. I need to repent. I want to do that today. If that's you, if nobody peeking, would you lift your hand up so I can see it? Yep. Anybody else? Yep. Anybody else? You can put them down if you already raised them. All right. Let me ask you this. If you raise their hand for that one. How about this? If Jesus were to come back today, what would he think about how you've been living as his servant? Would he look at you and say, well done, my good and faithful servant? Or would he look at you and say, what were you thinking? If you're kind of on the wrong side of that one, would you lift your hand up and be honest with me? Be honest with the Holy Spirit. Yep. Anybody else? Yep. You can put them down. Anybody else? All right. I want to pray. And I, I never want to, if anybody ever feels like they need more prayer, just come after the service. We're up here. I'll pray with you. Um, Pastor Roger will pray with you. We'll, we'll be here for you. But I just want you to know, as you pray in your seats, run with us. You know, take this to the bank. Don't walk out of here today thinking, that's it. God wants to do so much with you. 
Imagine his kingdom if everybody in this room did what he called us to do. And I'm not picking on anybody. I'm just thinking, man, there's a lot of folks in this room that really aren't doing a whole lot for the kingdom. And I don't mean that as a, an assault on you. Just ask the Lord, what am I supposed to be doing? And maybe that should be my next message is hearing from God. But you need to figure out what God wants you to do. Because his servants serve. Amen? All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for Jesus, for shedding your blood to wash my sins away. Today, I repent of everything I've done, all the sins, all the stupid stuff, and I give you my heart and my life, all that I am, all that I have. Use me. Help me to serve you to know what that means. And Lord, if I've blown it, I haven't been doing the things that you are calling me to do. Forgive me, Lord. Help me get back on the right track with you. I want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. So I pray against the weapons of the enemy that he would be bound. The snares he tries to set for me would snap on him, on his devils, not on me. And from this day forward, I purpose in my heart to serve you, Jesus, King of kings and Lord of lords. I pray this in your most holy name. Give God the glory this morning. Go get somebody that needs Jesus. <laughs> drag them in here. Or drag them into your house and give them a cup of coffee and say, this is what Jesus has done for me. You don't have to bring them to church to get them saved. You can do that anywhere, right? I love you. God loves you. Have a great week in Jesus. Stay warm. Lord, we just pray just a covering over each one. Keep us safe in our coming in and our going. Give us favor everywhere we go and give us opportunity to let our light shine. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you.